Last time on Eat a Bag of Dicks. So seeing as we are in agreement that the Batman origin story is probably the worst sin of DC movies, of which there are a lot, let's figure out which one's the best. Because <laughs> there can only be one. There can only sure. be one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, it should be a three-act, but it's, it's always kind of a two-act, right? You've got his parents get killed, and then you have to have him discovering the Batcave as well. Mm, mm, which, is, which is interesting because in, in this part of the origin, the, this is actually broken apart between uh, this movie and the next one that we'll get to. I love this movie as much as the next guy. Okay? Mm-hmm. Amazing movie. But everything you just described makes Batman seem like a fucking idiot. This guy is supposed to be the greatest detective World's on the face detective. Planet, and you've got to be just smacked in the fucking face with it for him to mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christian Bale wouldn't have took that shit. He'd have been out on the street beating the fuck out of everyone. He falls into the cave. And again, he cries like a little bitch because that's what Bruce Wayne does. <laughs> in this one, you get the one giant man bat swooping at him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this uh, terrifies him more. And even grown-ass Bruce Wayne has to shed a little tear thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, you know... That's just, that's Bruce Wayne. And then Robin comes out of the sewer like a ninja turtle, right? <laughs> with a bomb, with a with a big, like, Casio clock on the front of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's in the river. Well, and then we're supposed to believe that this Alfred, who has uh, the, the technical capability of my grandma... Right. He's managed to upload his consciousness and create an artificial intelligence to to tell her all of Batman and Robin's secrets. Yep, exactly. Well, because we know we know from precedent that. If he was there in person and if he wasn't stuck in bed with this seemingly incurable but oh it just happens to be the same thing that mr freeze's wife has disease uh that he would just do it himself because that's what he does he just lets the the women in bruce wayne's life know all the secrets i mean it's true he just walks them right into the bat cave right into the bat cave everything about this was so hypersexualized that like i i i don't know Okay, they, just... they, granted, they may not be as completely explicit as Batman or Robin's bat nipples. Right. Um, but it's definitely cold in the Batcave. And now, the conclusion. Oh, man, have we gotten off track. Okay. All right. So then 
okay, so now God takes away the only thing I liked in that movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got to go to, what was it? 2005, maybe? 15? 2005. 2005. And we get another fucking Batman origin story. So at this point, we've had an eight-year layoff. Okay? Um, For, uh, let's see, from 89 to 97... We had at least one Batman movie every three years, right? Um, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin were were two years apart, right? But it's it's a steady dose of Batman throughout this time, and so in a way, it was. I mean, it it was a it was a long wait in between, and I, I certainly can't compare it like realistically to say like the wait for Star Wars. Although, you know, coming to think about it, it that that seems like that was such a long wait, but it was really only sixteen years. You know, between eighty three and ninety nine, right? But this wait between. Batman movies was a long time when you had four movies in the span of eight years. Um, Still counting the wait between good Star Wars movies. Oh, that that's that's never going to end unless you start unless you start counting TV shows, and then we've got the Mandalorian and and we've got our answers. Baby Yoda, but (laughs) more Baby Yoda. Um, I've got a theory on this. I think that what happened, okay is right about the time that you had Batman Forever and you had Batman and Robin. Yep. We also got the N64. And with that, we got this wonderful gem, Superman 64. Mm -hmm. And I think what happened is that that game was such a piece of shit (laughs) that DC just looked at it and they said, you know what, fuck it. We're folding everything. I'm done. We're not making movies. We're not making video. I don't fucking care anymore. I'm <laughs> quitting this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Go make books and leave me the fuck alone. Right? Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But then, but then, uh, come 2005, what they realize is everyone, uh, you know, all of the executives thought that Batman and Batman Returns was too gothic and too dark and too gritty. Uh, so they went full on, full neon clusterfuck bat nipples, right? Oh, yeah. um, and, and they realized we need to go back to the dark Batman. We, we need to go back to this. Um, we need to maybe ground it a little more. Um, but Batman should be grittier. He should be darker. He should not have neon on everything. Uh, you know, let's, let's make a good Batman movie. Well, and there, the, if, if the, 
if the criticism coming out of Batman Returns was um you know not not geared towards kids which arguably if you go back and watch the first the, like Batman 89 it was that was not really geared towards kids either right yeah. but Batman's always been a comic book character right and so you have Superman, you have Batman, these these guys are heroes to kids, and and that's the way that people were viewing them. When it came to Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, you know, a you had the first two movies which people thought, oh well those are too dark. So you had this course correction, right? And and then what happens is this course correction back to the campy side of things, right? And then you lose out on all of the bros that wanted it to be a little more serious. And, oh, now it's gotten too campy. Like, campy to the point of where, uh, even for kids watching it, going... Oh my gosh! Is this really what we're sitting through here? Like th- this is just ridiculous. Like been watching Super Friends, you know? Right. Like I, I may as well go and do that instead of having to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger make ice puns all day. <laughs> but I, I think that should be an episode in and of itself. Oh, ice puns! So many ice puns. So one of I, I, I think as you look at that eight-year gap between the Batman movies and that, that franchise in general, one of the things that particularly stands out for me is that what were two giant events that happened in the comic book world between 97 and 2005 and those two things would be Spider-Man and X-Men because Marvel was at a point of basically going under they started a fire sale of just you know getting rid of what they could to make some money and stay afloat Right. But in the meantime, they they got rid of Spider-Man. They got rid of X-Men. They got rid of Fantastic Four. And what Sony and what Fox did, which, again, could be two other conversations altogether. Right. But they were able in in the case of Spider-Man to make a teenage style flick that was well grounded in reality right set in new york city a typical kid going to high school just wants to get the girl like which which is to be fair that that is peter parker's story right like now those those movies it's it's easy to look back on those first spider-man movies 
and analyze everything they did wrong. But when they came out, I was in line just like the next guy and I was excited for it. And I watched me some Spider-Man and I loved it. If you want to talk about flaws, I will talk about Spider-Man 3 all day long. Oh, oh my God, no. Spider-Man 3 shouldn't even be a movie. That was just the worst. That's that's why I'm saying. If you want to talk about flaws. Now, if, if you want to talk about solid movies, especially like you know, based on their time and, you know, laying the foundation for what is out there today, I'll fight you to the death on Spider-Man 1 and 2. Those movies still are they're they're damn good movies, right? I'm I'm not saying that they're perfect, right? And I have way more problems with the with the X-Men franchise. However, my my point that I was trying to get to is that what this did do for Warner was it laid the foundation that superhero movies that are not foundationally built off of and rely on the the camp and you know the flashy appeal to kids type of attitude can work and can make a lot of money right neither spider-man or the x-men or fantastic four series of movies were dark gritty realism you know as much as nolan tried Mm. to ground his movies in realism of the real world those movies are not that but they are a stark difference to the camp and the outlandishness of Batman forever and Batman and Robin. Right. I just, I, I feel like I have to go on record here as saying that I would rather go rewatch the spawn movies than that stupid fuck of an X-Men movie. Wow. Okay. That was just the worst abomination, and that has been <laughs> such that has been the worst franchise based on Marvel characters ever in history. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay, the gloves come off. Wow. Okay. I can't I can't back that movie. I can't back that franchise. There is literally Nothing good about it from Storm telling you what happens when a frog gets struck by lightning <laughs> all the way to Sansa Stark uh, trying to be Jean Grey. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, um, yep. Deadpool I, made a better X-Men movie with Cable. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, he he did. He did. I'll I'll say that. Um okay, all right. It's uh, it's getting added to the it's getting added to the future list. Um we are we are so incredibly off topic. Um Okay. So we're back in 2005, which the groundwork for this has been laid by several other things, right? 
There, there was not a, there, there was a reason why Warner took eight years between movies, right? They, they needed in a way to course correct and, and figure out where they were going to go with these properties. So you start out here, 2005, and young Bruce Wayne has just fallen down a well again. Again. And uh, Rachel is running like Lassie uh, to go tell his dad that Bruce can't stay out of the well. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this one, there are actually some consequences to it. He manages to break an arm. So there's that, right? We're we're going in a little more realism. And then there come the bats and little Bruce is crying. (laughs) What they did do in this one, though, that I I think is maybe a little bit uh, better than previous ones is, is this setup of, okay, now, now we've unveiled the the bat thing, right? And this trauma. Mm-hmm. And once we once we've unveiled that trauma, now we have a setup for the theater, and and how they wound up in the alley. Right. Because let's say these guys are the richest people in Gotham City. What the fuck are they doing walking down an alley? They don't have mm-hmm. Alfred wasn't there to meet them with the car. Right. Why, why are they walking down this alley? At least yep. we get something, right? Uh, uh, some reason, some rationale. Um, and, and I mean, there's the whole, you know, monorail thing uh, as well. But we, we get some rationale of, okay, they, they had to leave the theater because Bruce was, was scared of the bats. And, you know, dad tries to, uh, dad tries to, uh, take the bullet right and, and right. again and he's he's protecting the family even even in a non-life-threatening situation you know he's figuratively taking the bullet for getting out of the theater and then literally takes it so right. and and then he literally takes the bullet <laughs> um and again this now biggest Biggest trope in all of these, right? Martha Wayne's pearls. Mm-hmm. Oh, the pearl, man. First off, pearls aren't exactly worth all that much. It's not like you're going to get uh, a huge amount selling them. And anyone who is any kind of a thief, or at least not a fucking complete numbskull, is going to understand that if you grab a pearl necklace and just yank on it, you're not going to have a pearl necklace anymore. Mm-hmm. And yes, I said pearl necklace. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so this, again, right, um, okay, so we, we've changed up the sequencing a little bit now. And right. and we added plausibility to it. Right. Um, there, There's a reason to be in the alley. There's there's a reason for things to happen. We've, we've established a universe where actions have consequences, and uh, you know we don't have to worry about Tommy Lee Jones showing up 
with purple lipstick all over his face. <laughs> we hope. Oh, man, do we hope. Things are going to happen for a reason. But the thing that I love uh, about this origin story is we don't just jump to Bruce, age 30. Um, granted, we do time jump, um, and, and we assume that, uh, you know, he's, he's traumatized by the event, and he's uh, trying to figure it out as he goes to school and whatever, and um, I guess Gotham happens or whatever. Um, and then we get away from Fish Mooney, um, and we get, uh, Bruce leaving school, walking away, uh, and, and going to live with the thieves. Mm -hmm. And now we get some kind of understanding of where did Batman learn all of his martial arts from? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, where where did he learn to be a ninja bat? Um, which which we haven't gotten before. And I think to to me that's more satisfying in that we actually get that that third act of the Batman origin. Well this yeah, this is where at, as I was as I was mentioning before in a lot of the other what well, in most of the other movies right it is more of the Batman flashback than it is the Batman origin story um, or or if you will, you know, an an origin flashback, kind of in the same way of of like Two Face in Batman Forever, right? Like where you get that origin flashback where they're showing the newsreel of him being in the courtroom and and getting the acid splashed on his face. At the beginning of that movie, Two Face is already a character, right? Like you don't get an origin story with him you get this origin flashback later on in the movie you know oh by the way yeah oh here's harvey dent and he used to be a powerful district attorney and now he got this acid splash on his face he's a maniacal idiot um who by the way engages in like 25 different plots in that movie to kill batman and he can't do it in any single one of them and he's supposed to be this super smart district attorney but anyway so in Batman Begins, while going through the origin again at that point, right? Because so far, you you know, you've you've had Batman eighty nine, you've had Batman Forever, plus the other movies with Robin, Batgirl, all of the villains' backstories, all of that kind of thing. You take this hiatus for eight years. And you come back with this more down-to-earth, you know, could it be anchored in the real world type of movie, right? And having grown up such a fan, eight years is a long time, right? And, and you come out of this phase of Batman movies where 
the camp was so big and like your your last image of Batman in your head is Clooney and O'Donnell with nipples. Right? Like this is this is what your last memory of Batman is. And then you have this movie which you start to go into that origin and you're like, okay, yep, alright, I'm I'm willing to like I'm willing to sit with it because it's been a while. It's been a while. Um but also we're we're starting this over, right? Like it was a clear it it had been communicated by Nolan, by Warner, by the promotional stuff, by everything that this was a reboot of the series, right? This was not a continuation of of the 80s and 90s. This was starting over. So um, immediately you're willing to allow in a bit of that origin and be like, okay, I get it. it it's a reboot, right? You, you now, give yourself I, that mental space. At this point, I didn't want to sit through it. I looked at this and I said, you know, I, I looked at the movie and I said, okay, this looks good. It looks interesting. It looks yep. like a movie I want to see. Um, you know, all the promotional material. Um, but we start out with this and I'm just sitting there going, Jesus, fuck another Batman origin. Do we really need this? I mean, come on. We've had enough already. We don't, we're not hobbitses. We don't need a second Batman origin. Let's move on. And, and uh, again, I, I agree with that to a certain point and, and as we'll talk about in Batman v Superman in just a little bit, um, th- there's definitely a point where you can get thrown over the edge with it. Uh, now, however, I, uh, you know, again, point, I was much happier with this origin than I thought I would be. Sure. sure. You know, I, I, was, I was happy that I watched it again retold in this way. Yeah, and, and and I can totally understand the feeling of like, oh man, we have to sit through you know, this obligatory stuff. Like we we know, you know, we we know the Batman origin story and yep. Oh, guess what? Don't get attached to Thomas and Martha cuz they're going to be dead soon, right? Like right. I I I get that. And and I think whether it was strategically done by Nolan or not, um, what you were mentioning in in kind of the twist of, you know, he he falls down the well first, right? And he has the traumatic experience, and then that's what leads them. You know, for me, at least at the time, for sure, like, it provided enough of that twist to be able to say, okay, this makes a little more sense, right? And then what I was trying to get to was what you were saying, the, the, the fact that Bruce then goes off, right? Like, we don't see him in the rest of, of, of adolescence, right? We get, we get some of those shots of him in the police station with Gordon, which, again, 
were a really nice touch because you you don't have that aspect in any of the uh, the 80s and 90s Batmans, right? Well, like, not only do you get that that nice touch with Commissioner jo- Gordon, uh, you know, just just being there for him, right? Right. But but you actually get a competent Gordon. Right. And they catch the guy that shot the richest fucking family in Gotham. Yeah. You know, yep. where, uh, yeah, where, where the, the, the eighties and nineties, um, commissioner Gordon was a, a buffoonery of, you know, had no idea what was going on under his nose, like no way to, you know, he he was the reason why Batman was there because he was such a dummy he couldn't get anything done right. Where and I'm, I'm watching now at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And and I am a fan, right, of of the '89 Batman. Um, so so I'm watching at this point uh, for the first time, and I'm paying close attention to the guy that killed uh, his parents because I'm thinking. Well, here's the Joker in the making, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Because we've already seen that, right? So I, I think there's some expectation there. Um, without without really delving into um, the, the sequel movie, I have to say that I really liked that they didn't give Joker any background. I think that I I think that that Heath Ledger's performance needs to be a completely separate episode oh, altogether. Absolutely. absolutely. But, but His performance what, was what I will say without diving into any of that right now is that I absolutely one hundred percent one thousand percent totally agree with you that at the end of the day the most compelling part of the way that nolan wrote him was his complete lack of backstory i i totally agree and i do not think whether heath ledger ends up surviving or not that had he been written differently with that backstory and and even pull it into a part of Batman begins that I do not think that it would have been as much of as a success. Like I still think that Heath Ledger would have been fucking great. Don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think that there would have been that level of success without the complete chaos factor that he was and perfectly encapsulating everything to go along with it. So I, I totally agree. And, and again, I, I was in the same boat that you were, um, having grown up with Batman 89, um, also having grown up with, with some comics and some trades, uh, in my life and, and being able to read through some of that, like I, I, I knew enough that like in most of the canon 
of Batman, that it, it wasn't the Joker that killed his parents. It was Joe Chill, right? And, like, I I knew all of that. I, I certainly didn't know it the first time that I watched Batman 89, right? And, you know, those were things that evolved over time as I, I got more into the source material and all of that kind of stuff. But the the four Batman movies that had preceded this were were kind of like their own canon. But then when you get to Batman Begins, you still have to have those questions in your mind, right? Like, how are they going to handle this? Are, are they going to keep going with the previous movie canon established? Are they going to go with the comic book canon that's been established? Or are they going to go with something completely new? Right, because in Batman '89 they didn't follow the com the follow the comic book standard, right? So that was a part of this rediscovery in the you know quote unquote reboot of the series was that you didn't really know. So so to see this origin again, already your your uh, expectations have already been subverted by the fact that. He falls down the well first, and and he goes through this traumatic experience, which is why they leave the theater. So what's going to happen with the rest of his origin, right? Like, how are they going to track along? And I, I feel like it that's one of the most compelling because it's the first major retelling of this story, and it's going much deeper into the the actual origins what pushes bruce over the the edge he brings the gun with him to the courthouse like he intends on shooting him in the courthouse but he doesn't even get the chance right right and and you yeah you don't you don't follow him all the way through his angst in his teenage years and whatnot right like you go from kid bruce wayne to christian bale bruce wayne right Granted, it's it's younger Christian, but you know, or, you know, they they are implying that you know he's still younger and he hasn't fully come into this form yet. But it leads you into the first true origin story instead of just that flashback, right? That quick moment to be like, oh, yep, and here's how we got here. Right. Like this, this is as close as we are going to get in the DC universe to Iron Man one. Right. Now we can gush on and on about this all day. And believe me, I could there. There is so much to love in that trilogy. But I think that we have to move to the next abomination. Oh. Uh, why do you got to be so painful? We've got Batman v Superman. All right. Now some quick parallels here. Between Batman Begins and Batman v Superman, there's eight years in between those movies. Okay. So now, if if we were to state that, right, for our future listeners that'll be 
listening to some archived version on a, you know, a, a rebooted server a thousand years from now because somebody manages to to be able to hear this, right? We just talked about... Heard by us on their space MP3 player? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so the, the, the difference between Batman and Robin and Batman Begins was eight years, right? There was an eight-year gap in there. And between Batman Begins and Batman v Superman, there was eight years. But the problem here is that there was two more movies in there because you had Batman Begins, you had The Dark Knight, and then you had The Dark Knight Rises. And so you've got 05, 08, 2012, respectively, right? So in that case, you have technically, I mean, you've got half the time from when the last series ended to when this new version of Batman is now hitting the screen. And not only is this story going to be told yet again, not only is it going to be, let's call it, the the third reimagining of the story, right? Because if if you count Batman 89 and Batman Forever as one kind of continuation through that series of movies, and then you have Batman Begins, and now you've got this again. To top it all off, and I've said this to you before, and I don't remember if it made it into the actual show or not, right? <clears throat> but when you go to the movie theater and you sit down for a showing of this new movie, which is supposed to be so great. I mean, that that year, the showdown was going to be, be between Batman v Superman and Civil War. DC versus Marvel. Which one's going to come out on top? The, the showdown that everybody has been waiting for for 50 years to hit the screen. The Cape Crusader and, you know, the American hero going after each other. Or is it going to be Marvel and all these cobbled together super vil- or superheroes that are all mostly like B and C list heroes, right? Like, oh, oh, oh no way that Marvel's going to win that one. Are you kidding me? Right? And you go down and you sit in the theater and the opening credits... Of the movie, your eight-year-old son turns to you and goes, Ugh, God, not this again. Because it's a goddamn origin story all over again. Why in this movie? That's the thing I don't get. Mm-hmm. There, there, just, there is no purpose to this. In this movie. You know, a, a part of it... Like, so, first of all, I I wanted to start off the show with this because you had sent me some homework earlier today, which was to kind of review these because we figured we'd talk about them tonight, and so I was. 
And I'm playing through this one. And honestly, you, you dove right in at the beginning. But I wanted to start off with uh, the show with saying that this week, the person that needs to eat a bag of fucking dicks is Christopher goddamn Nolan. He may mm-hmm. have brought us like three of the greatest superhero films to date, but he also executive produced this fucking flaming turd of a movie. And I knew that at the time. And a part of it for me was like, Oh shit, here we go. It's another Zack Snyder. Just fucking, you know, things getting destroyed orgy fest. But Hey, Christopher, Christopher Nolan, he's executive producing. He's, he's got to be involved in some sort of way. He's got to be helping Zach bring together some sort of cohesive vision or something. And Oh my God, was I wrong? Right? Like I, I know, especially nowadays you've got like 20 fucking executive producers and associate producers and regular producers on a movie. Like I get it. There's a lot of voices going into this thing. But for fuck's sake, dude, you were the architect of the most successful Warner Brothers trilogy of all time. And they're trying to launch into this new thing here with Man of Steel and now Batman v Superman. And this is the shit that gets allowed to pass when you're starting the fucking movie with the goddamn origin story again. No one came into this movie (sighs) that hadn't already seen his previous trilogy. Nobody. I mean, like, let's face Zero it, people. Right? <clears throat> it's not like we're 45 years down the road <clears throat> and there's all of these people who have no idea who Batman is because they haven't seen a Batman movie in forever, right? Absolutely. At this point, everyone knows. And we are no. not here to see a Batman movie. Mm-mm. We're here to see Batman and Superman fight. Yep. That's what we're here for. You yep. name the fucking movie Batman v Superman. That's Dawn what we're here to watch. Justice. <clears throat> Don't forget that. Can't forget the Dawn of Justice. Right. I mean, and and we've previously established. I love me some Affleck. Yep. And, Agreed. And well, I do think that. As a whole, um, the the Dark Knight trilogy <clears throat> is the best Batman uh, set of movies produced to date. I also think that Affleck is just a goddamn great Batman. There were so many things wrong with this movie, and and I went into it with you know everyone is thinking. Affleck's going to be the problem with this movie, right? I heard it. Everybody. And and I'm saying, nope, I'm going to back Affleck. I think he's going to be okay. And everyone is saying, no, Affleck's going to be the problem. He's going to ruin the movie. Uh, Well, you certainly gave him more credit than I did. Uh, I I will say that. Like, I, I went into the movie still... 
seriously doubting Affleck's ability to pull this off. Um, I think now Aff- after after losing two and a half plus hours of my life that I will never ever get back. What I will absolutely say is that I was one hundred percent wrong, like for sure. And I come out of that movie and as much as I love Amy Adams, um, between her and Henry Cavill and like, I just, everything else was just, and, and I even, I even loved Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot. Sorry. I, I really liked her portrayal of Wonder Woman more so in her own standalone movie than her shoehorned into this one to try and set up Justice League, right? But ultimately, all of that aside, Affleck is still the only redeemable part of this movie, and that's what pains me even more to have to suffer through this origin story yet again... Right. But you and I both know from unfortunately having to see the movie and give away the spoilers why it was in there. Right. And there's the one there's one word. One word. Why was it in there? Because fuck you for being a Batman fan. What? That's that's what I think. That's what I I think. I think every time they change Batman, the actor who plays Batman, they have to redo the origin story. No, no, that's just no. Did did you rewatch it today? You sent it to me. I rewatched it. I did my homework. Did you do your homework? So I watched the origin, and and I know that you're getting at Martha. That's it. That's but, it. But I have to say the the thing that stood out to me about this origin. Uh-huh. Um and this this may be uh I I am going to tell you I have not researched this. I am not going to research this before I say anything. No boy. Because if we have any fans out there uh or we don't have fans out there, but some fucking nerd gets a hold of a copy of this podcast at some point. <laughs> some correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but was Bruce Wayne's dad Negan from The Walking Dead? Yep. Ding 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 ding. Thing that you stood out. Fucking Negan. <laughs> like, uh huh. Uh huh. Amazing the things that you see when you do you know, research four years later versus watching it for the first time and just like eye rolling and going, Oh my God, I have to sit through this shit again. But that was, that was the only thing I looked at that. And then I was like, other than that, I could fucking care less. Mm -hmm. I, there is no reason for this to be in this movie. There is no reason for this to exist at all. Um, there are a million other ways you could have given a nod to Martha without this pile of shit starting out yet another fucking movie. There sure are a million other ways that you can do it, right? 
But when you are a talentless fucking hack like Zack Snyder is, right, you don't have a goddamn original thought in your head to begin with, let alone any sort of creative workaround to be able to get to that point. Like, Creative workaround? I settled for a reach around. uh, I would settle, like... The fact, oh, oh God, I'm going to lose my shit here. The fact that that movie basically ended on the word Martha, right? Like, and that's what came down to being the linchpin, right? Like, you have... All, all of this talk and this research here today led me to re-watching a, a, a several portions of uh, Captain America Civil War today, right? And I, I, I'll keep this tangent short. Something to cleanse your palate? I absolutely did, right? Because I was like, where the fuck did these motherfuckers go so wrong— where these other motherfuckers went so right, you know, and a, such a large part of it is the fact that at the end of the day, like Marvel already had this universe and everything built up that they could walk away at the end of that movie and things weren't all sewn up in a nice, neat little bubble, you know, with a bow on top. Like, Cap and Tony walk away on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Tony uh, is, like, you know, all high and mighty, and Cap is on the run, and he's a fugitive, right? And he's going to break Sam and the others out from, from the raft and everything. But it's like... Their fight ends, and Cap walks away with Bucky, but, like, in the end, nobody won. Like, you you could say that, that Cap won because he beat Tony and he got out of there with Bucky. You could say that Tony won because, you know, he's the one still leading the Avengers and, and Cap is on the run. But, like, however you look at it, really, nobody won, right, at the end. And they're not coming together to fight some god-awful CG villain. Whereas in this one, they're ready to rip each other to shreds. And Martha ends up being it. Like, it just... I mean, this is just like, insert the Spider-Man meme right here where they're pointing at each other. Hey, what you? No, you? Huh? You? Mar- no, you? Mar- no, you? <laughs> Martha? 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 I mean, yeah. Holy shit. Yep. But, yep. But Ron, did you know? Did you know <clears throat> that the Batman origin story has not only been used to ruin the beginning of movies? It has now also been used to ruin the end of movies. Well, this is something that 
I just learned of today. Because uh, I I actually have not seen Joker. I have not seen it either. Um, And I've not seen it because I am so turned off by the idea of watching another uh, movie in the DC universe um, that for, for as much acclaim as the movie has gotten and for everyone telling me how great the movie is, I cannot bring myself to watch another fucking DC movie. I just can't do it. I mean, DC's, let me just say that DC's problem is that they're trying to create the DC extended universe, the DCEU, but they don't have a fucking universe to extend. They have nothing. There's no universe for them to extend. They never made the universe first. It's it's like trying to build a computer and then instead of uh, you know inventing a processor, you just start building a mouse. Like it, that's great, but it's not going to do fuck all for you if you don't have a CPU to start with, right? It's it's just it's ridiculous at this point. Uh, and and that's why it doesn't work because they they don't have any foundation to start on. They don't have anything like the closest thing that they had to a plan was doing Batman v Superman to lead into Justice League, uh, and and give us an Aquaman movie and a, and a uh, um, Wonder Woman movie, but they're all so spread apart and so different that. And, and everything is different directors and different actors all of the time. And there's no cohesion to any of it at all that no matter how good this movie turned out to be, I just didn't want to sit down and watch it. I, I just, I have complete DC apathy at this point and I didn't want to watch it. My wife tells me it's a great movie. All the friends tell me it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. No interest in watching it. I really don't. Yeah, my my twelve year old told me that it was a good movie, and I I just couldn't couldn't bring myself to do it. I I totally agree with you, and it's the the one other thing that we we haven't <clears throat> interjected in here is that. In addition to all of the Batman origin stories, and we covered a little bit on Robin, and we covered on Batgirl and stuff like that, the other thing that we have in between the the Nolan Batmans and then, or sorry, sorry, the the well the thing yeah between the Dark Knight and Joker is that you have Suicide Squad and you have Jared Leto doing another completely different unhinged version of the Joker. No, no, right? no. We don't talk about that here. We, we don't talk but, about that here. But no, no, like, no. There, there is no war in Bossing Say and, <laughs> and there is no uh, Jared Leto Joker. But you have to. Like, that is a part of the the dc apathy and like not having 
any sort of interest whatsoever, right? Like, because... I mean, I that movie thought it was going to carry itself on Margot Robbie's ass. Um, and yeah. even that wasn't enough to carry it, like... No, no, it certainly wasn't. I um, mean, I, I mean, it, it, it definitely uh, did its part, uh, but it, it was not enough to carry the movie. Right, and so then you you come around to this standalone Joker movie, right? And let's say that you have a Suicide Squad that still has Will Smith in it, still has Margot Robbie in it, right? And and maybe there's even references to Joker in it right but leto's not in it the character of joker himself is not even in it and then you come around to this standalone movie right maybe at that point there is a little more tolerance for it right but you you have this steady decline of at best like man of steel was a it was a meh movie, right? Like, it was not a great Superman movie overall. Um, Henry Cavill was... It, he's he's alright, right? Like, he's he's not great. I, I don't dislike him as an actor. I don't even dislike him as Superman. But it no. wasn't a great movie. No, and... And the the largest problem with all of those movies, the common thread is Zack Snyder, right? And so you you go back to, like you said, DC's attempt at this whole strung out extended universe, right? And the the different directors, like all that kind of stuff. Well, you know what? Marvel had different directors across their movies. I mean, yeah, John Favreau did both Iron Man one and Iron Man two. But, you know, you had a different director for Thor, you had a different director for uh, Captain America, different director for Avengers, right? But the right. difference was you had a Kevin Feige behind the scenes pulling the strings and making sure that this shit was going to work. Okay, here are the beats that we have to go through. You know, this is this is the, the storyline overall, right? You just didn't take and say... All right, here, you dumb fuck, go make a Batman movie. You stupid right. fuck over there, go make a Superman movie. Uh, right. You, could you please make a Wonder Woman movie, but let's make the end villain the worst and make it completely unsatisfying. Uh, <laughs> you know. But then, okay, so then you come to Joker, right? And again, for absolutely no reason, we touch on the Batman origin story. Yep. But yep. this time we, we retell it. And this time, instead of being anyone uh, at all, right, we, we've just got this looting spree and a bunch of jackasses and clown masks uh, yep. looting. Um, and then, uh, you know, one of them just decides to shoot uh, Thomas Wayne. Yep. Because um, yeah, uh, you got what's coming to you. Now, maybe, maybe. There's more to it in the movie. And I'll give it the benefit of the doubt 
that within the movie, there may be context for that that helps explain. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not going to watch it. But there may be context in there that that makes that make sense. But it didn't need to be done at all. By all accounts, the movie was great. And this was not needed in the least. Yeah. Not only that, not only that, but I'm looking at this movie and I'm looking at Martha and Thomas Wayne. And the thing that stands out to me, um, you know, I'm, I'm putting aside the clowns running around with smoke bombs and whatever. I'm looking at Thomas and Martha Wayne and I'm thinking, how the fuck did they have this kid? <laughs> did Martha go in and give birth and get hip replacement surgery on the same day? Like I, the the only way is they could have uh, they they had to have uh, adopted him. Like he's not their biological child. Like there's the no way. Looks like she belongs on the Golden Girls. <laughs> I mean, this is like. How? Like, I get it that you're the, like the richest family in the world, but fertility drugs can only do so much, mm. you know? Uh, you, you still can't get a 70-year-old woman pregnant. It just doesn't happen. Yep. Uh, I, you know, what, what the hell is going on here? Yep. Totally agree. So we ruin yet another movie with a Batman origin story. <laughs> And I am surprised that we made it through that recap without a Batman origin story popping up to ruin our fucking show. Oh, you'd be surprised. There's there's been like seven of them interjected in between here. We just don't know it yet. <laughs> right? They're just, they're just Zack Snyder's in the background just <laughs> you know, <laughs> into the podcast feed like you don't even know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. So now you've reviewed them all. Which is your favorite Batman origin story? So that's oh. all I care about is which one is the best. Because they're which all the fucking worst. So which one is the best? <laughs> okay. Which which one is the best? Uh, well, okay, yeah. So it's which one is the best of the worst? Um, because I can, I can absolutely tell you without a shadow of a doubt, which one is the worst of the worst. So I won't go through ranking all of them, but I will tell you for sure. Hands down. No question about it. Dawn of justice is the worst of the worst for sure. Um, even after having watched that Joker scene today for the very first time. Um, again, I don't, I don't have a lot of context for it. I, it was, that was pretty awful. The, the one other thing I'll say about, about the Joker, um, scene was the fact that they're walking through the alley and he, and he calls out Thomas Wayne and Thomas turns around and like, he basically just like shoots him on sight. Right, like it's a cold-blooded murder. It's not even a stick-up, right? Like it's every still goes after Martha's pearl necklace. Right, 
Right. She's still years old. What's how, he doing for a pearl necklace? Yeah, how about them pearls, lady? Hand those over. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, okay, whatever. But anyway, I still I I will absolutely at the bottom of the list forever and always Dawn of Justice is the bottom. The top is is a little bit harder to to choose from, but number one for me, it still has to be I, I gotta say, Batman begins, takes the honor out of all of the worst that is the origin story over and over again, because it is the one true origin story. And and not just the flashback, like shoehorned in, right? We we get him going through the troubles. We get Gordon actually being a competent officer, and compelling Bruce to be a good person and and go forward with things, all the way through to his training and then coming back. And for me. It really establishes, you know, what what I said on a previous episode of like, to me, Keaton will always be the Batman, in my opinion. But Christian Bale will always be the absolutely best cast Bruce Wayne because... The pivotal moments in in that movie when when he comes back from training with Rachel Ghoul, right, and he's interacting with with uh, Alfred and getting integrated back into society and meets with Lucius and uh, starts to take back over the company and all of that kind of stuff, and then the scene of him in the restaurant, right, just being rich, cocky, playboy, all that kind of stuff, and swimming in the fountain, right. He was so able, so perfectly able to um, have that dual persona of, look, I, I know I need to be Bruce Wayne on the outside and I need to be Batman at you know on the inside and at night, whatever. That, to me, is the best origin story. Now, I'm going to agree with you with everything you just said, 100%. <clears throat> But there's the but as we are the hosts of this show that nobody listens to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and because we covered it, I am going to say that my favorite origin story is Batgirl. Oh, fuck right off. That is you are such a dipshit. You've got you've got the most impressive detective work we've ever seen. <laughs> Batman. You get the Bat Cave, you get the Bat Zipper, and uh, it's old in the Bat Cave. Oh my God! You're a fucking douchebag, and that's the end of our show. Fuck off! <laughs> Fuck right off! God! Ah! <laughs> You love it and you know it. <laughs> <laughs>